One. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is uh, Ashish Parekh, and uh, welcome to another episode of Podcast on Resilience with my co-host, Dr. Esther Abrilka from England. Hi, everyone. And today we are joined by our friend Deepak Sai Baba, who is from Bangalore, India, and we are excited to have him as a guest on our show. And Deepak also has his own podcast um, called The Three Questions. Um, but today, Deepak will share his story on resilience with us. And now I'd like to turn it over to my lovely co-host, Dr. Estera. Hey, thank you, Ashish. Um, well, so to everyone, uh, if you don't remember what resilience is, it's an ability to bounce back after facing different life uh, difficulties or challenges or major changes. And today uh, we have uh, Deepak, who will share his story on resilience. Um, hello, Deepak. Hi, Estra. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks, Ashish. It's, uh, you know, very humbling to be part of something like this. Uh, this is the first time I ever got invited to talk <laughs> because I'm the one who's usually asking the questions. Yeah, right, so, because <laughs> you have your own podcast. <laughs> right, so this is a deep honor and uh, I welcome uh, you both to, you know, come on uh, my show as well. You know, whenever you get the chance and the time, uh, we should set up something, you know, and do that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we are very pleased that you've uh, decided to take part in this podcast on such a short notice. Um, and there is the first question that I want to ask you, and that's um, traditionally about a situation or an event or a challenge or a major life change that happened mm -hmm. to you in the past and that required from you to become more resilient and to adapt to this new situation. So if you could yes. share with us. Yeah. So I think this is a little, um, it's, it's a wonderful question. And it's a little difficult for me to openly talk about it because I don't think I've ever really talked about it much. But this has something to do with, you know, my uh, fight with the panic disorder, which was mm -hmm. uh, pretty bad when I was in my, early 20s, uh, I had this great job, everything was going very well. And uh, I was working in one of the top most IT firms in India, which is called Infosys, I think Ashish would be very familiar with that name. And uh, so, yeah, so I was working with Infosys, I was a software engineer there. And I think it was my second year. And uh, uh, it was a lot of excitement, you know, in terms of work as well as, you know, I, I was starting to get processed for visas to work in the UK as well as the US. So everything was going well. And then suddenly one day in office, I just collapsed in a heap of nerves and it just came out of nowhere. And uh, of course, you know, the first uh, immediate thing that they did was take me to a hospital, you know, my uh, colleagues and uh, other people. And... Uh, but then they found nothing wrong with me. And then this started kind of repeating over a period of a month. Um, and it, it sort of quickly uh, became what is known as agoraphobia, the fear of leaving one's home. And I, I could not just leave my home. I could not even leave my room after, you know, like uh, two months had gone by. It was, it was like I was confined to my bed. 
even if I went into the living room to sit with my parents, I started getting panic attacks. It, it was that bad. And from there, six months later, I was alone on my way to New York where I started working. So that journey is my story of resilience. And I did it completely through uh, what is known as cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is something that I didn't know about. I don't think anyone in India, <laughs> you know, in my circle even knew about it. Uh, it is something that is provided by clinical psychologists. Uh, the first course, of course, you know, uh, was uh, the first course of steps that my parents took. It was to try to get me into these various clinics and hospitals and with private doctors to get me tested, you know. And some of them said, oh, maybe he has cancer or, you know, he has some, some heart yeah, issue. Exactly, or because the first yeah. thing that everyone thinks is something, you know, physical related to the body. Exactly. So, so I was in a very dark phase of my life. I was getting poked and probed in all the hospitals. They did almost everything, including colonoscopy without any anesthesia. You know, everything was so painful to go through. And, and um, I think that was a period of life I would really want to forget. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> at least the, the part where, you know, I was treated for nothing. Um, and then all the reports always came back as, you know, absolutely clean. There's nothing. He's fine. You know, all the vital organs are good. Uh, and, but nobody, uh, which is the funniest part, nobody, none of the senior doctors in India ever mentioned the word that this could be something related to the mind because, because it's, we as a, it's a stigma, isn't it? It, it was. It was yeah. such a big stigma uh, mm. back then that you know our society is so consumed by the idea that health only relates to the physical body you know that mental illness or health it's treated with such utter callousness or vindictiveness almost you know like nobody should ever say those words and you know because we say it it becomes uh, a huge you know issue so always they were trying to you know kind of trivialize my experiences if i tried to tell them exactly what i felt but um, there was one particular doctor who I saw in their notes, you know, because I, I, I was quite the peeping Tom you know, when it came to doctor's offices. I was trying to look at what they were writing about me. Yeah, so you I, didn't I noticed, trust them at that point. <laughs> exactly. So I noticed that he wrote a panic disorder and, and he put a huge question mark. And that's what he had written in his notes. And so I went home and... And those were the years when Google first, you know, like became popular. So I went on Google, I searched and I, I studied about panic disorder. And then I, to my surprise, I discovered that, you know, whatever I was going through was exactly what it described, you know, all the different symptoms and every time it's different. And then, so I showed it to my parents and then my parents, thank God, they were, they're very uh, nice people. They're very well educated, well-meaning they did not say anything. They they just wanted me, you know, in, in the normal shape and form. So oh, that's they agreed. Because you were yeah. supported. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I had like 100% support yeah. from my parents. So yeah, because they said, well, you know, whatever lucky, it takes. Unfortunately, so I guess you are quite blessed with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, again, it took me quite a while to find the right, you know, person to get myself treated with. Because there was no information available in the yellow pages or wherever, you know, I looked for in the directory, telephone directories for psychologists. And then again, I went on Google 
And finally, I was so desperate, I wrote to the American Psychology Association, APA, and I asked them for help. I said, you know, I live in India, I live in a city called Chennai, and this is what I'm going through. Can you please help me? You know, at least I, I would like to have the number of someone I can talk to internationally, I'm willing to pay them or whatever. Then they replied to me saying, we have a doctor in India, in Chennai, like five blocks away from where you live. <laughs> and so I was like, majorly, you know, relieved. And then uh, I remember my very first session, you know, when I went to her, I kind of ran out of her room five times because I couldn't even sit in front of her and talk, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was that bad. But then over a period of uh, four months, you know, with continuous uh, cognitive behavioral therapy in terms of uh, her explaining to me what was going on and her dissecting every emotion and, you know, teaching me the thought process, how to eliminate, you know, all the negative and, you know, how to isolate the negative part and how to reinforce positivity. There, there was so much of learnings, you know, I, I could probably have another, you know, one hour talk about that, but I'm not going to go into the details. But with all of that, as I told you, six months later, I was on my way to New York, uh, and I started living alone. And I think um, that for me was my resilience because as I told you, I literally had fallen off the edge, you know, and uh, that was mm -hmm. such a hopeless uh, situation where I even at one point thought my life would end or I should end it. So from there to then going and living in what is considered the greatest city in the world was, you know, a huge transformational journey for me and uh, and and as ashish can probably testify for someone coming from india to make that kind of a transformation is even more challenging because we have to go through and go against a lot of societal norms and you know all the dictums that you know are that say that you should do this and do not do that and but i kind of challenge the status quo i guess on yeah, everything that's true. I think, yeah. Anytime you change environments and mm -hmm. I mean, you challenge that. Especially status, between the countries with a completely different new environment that you have to um, adjust to. That's true. But you are quite a model patient, I must say, because you uh, <laughs> took initiative. You started looking for the solution. You contacted um, APA uh, to help you to find someone yeah. who could um, mm -hmm. assist you with your problem. So that's actually a very good thing because, well, you obviously didn't feel like a victim of your condition, but you took the things in your own hands and yes. you were proactive. I, yes, I guess, you know, when they did the endoscopy and colonoscopy, it kind of pushed me <laughs> to become proactive. Yeah. I, think I, I, I know what you mean. I had one in Finland and yeah, well, so they you, gave you me are... until before, but it didn't start working <laughs> when they started. So. Yeah. I didn't go through the whole procedure. I told them to stop. So I know. Right. So another very important thing that, you know, I want to say, you know, which is probably not connected with resilience, but just like a small side note, yeah. uh, in hopes that it will help someone else. If you go through something which is, a, you know, considered a mental disorder, there could be chances that you do not need a pill. You could just seek therapy and get okay, you know, get better. Uh, I really think pills should be like the last option. And because I see a lot of young people 
you know, and, and even doctors just jumping in for the drug option immediately. And then it kind of, you because know, it's, I think easier. It's, it's easier. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. I think they just, doctors are so overwhelmed now that they don't have the time to spend with patients. So they just say, well, these are the mm-hmm. symptoms. Take this medication, schedule an appointment, come back in three months and let me know. <laughs> Yes. Well, it was even before the COVID, I must say that here, you know, in Europe, uh, the stigma uh, associated with mental illness or mental disorders is probably not as big as in India, but still, you know, either we pretend that we are so open here, we are actually not that open. I mean, still, <laughs> you know, telling other people that you don't know very well that you have depression or even something more, you know... Um, more serious like well schizophrenia or something that's definitely nothing that you know you walk and brag about and uh, I <laughs> especially a workplace you know the people well that's definitely like, not yeah. yeah but even you <laughs> yeah. know with your neighbors or or you know mm-hmm. people that you know but are not close friends and mm-hmm. I've noticed that here in the UK it's um, if you go to a GP because that's usually the first uh, person you know, yeah. first medical professional that you see if, you know, you think that you have depression or anxiety or, well, panic disorder yeah. or anything else. And what happens is that you will actually get a pill because yeah. there are such huge lines to counseling, not even like therapy, but uh, just for counseling. That it's mm-hmm. just easier to administer a pill and, you know, just keep people on the pill and yeah. that's it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's probably something that should change because you don't always really need a pill. You'd benefit more maybe from therapy or, you know, good counseling. Yes. Mm. And I was kind of very lucky because my, uh, the, the doctor who treated me, she was a product of uh, Oxford or something or, or maybe mm. Harvard and, or maybe both. I don't remember now, mm. but, but she was an excellent person, you know. I'll, mm. I always, you know, think that, you know, I owe a huge gratitude uh you know of my current life to her mm-hmm. and uh, tell tell us a bit about um this resilience and this whole adaptation that uh, you know you had your condition and then you uh, went to new york so i assume that there was not only um the adaptation part that related to your condition but there was also like cross-cultural adaptation you know you've mm-hmm. changed countries you've changed culture so can can you tell us about this experience and and what have you learned through yes. that? Yes, so I um, have uh, I've actually made a LinkedIn post about it. You know, I I, I did quite recently. I, I think uh, both of you might have you know read it. But I was in the U.S. for four years, and I had uh, I had quickly rather quickly adapted uh, to the American life. And then I moved from New York to Minnesota. And uh, it it was, you know, a a very nice job there as well that I had. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, with the 2008 recession, and then, you know, I I switched jobs, and I got into a contracting position, and the contract suddenly ended in six months. And the new employer sort of threw me out, you know, and, and was a very um, I kind of was dropped very unceremoniously and uh, suddenly I found myself packing my bags to go back to India. And uh, when I came back home, I didn't find uh, anything, you know, there was no job. Uh, I, I I kind of assumed, you know, with my experience in the U.S. and 
uh, and my technical background, I would find something really quick, but that was not the case. I was usually laughed out of interviews. <laughs> so again, you know, uh, the so one thing that kept... Thing that you had to face. Yes. And uh, so the, the thing that kept me going there was what I would uh, probably call as persistence or perseverance, uh, you know? So uh, I think we always should set an end goal and end, like an end vision, and we need to uh, persistently work towards that, no matter what result we are getting on a day-to-day basis. And especially, you know, job hunts are like very, very tedious when, um, when you are, you know, kind of uh, between jobs. If you have a job and you're hunting for a new one, it's a different scenario because yeah, you course, kind of have yeah. a cushion, right? But when you're yeah, between exactly. jobs, it becomes even more tedious and it becomes, uh, you, you have to kind of really, really become very strong mentally in order to uh, face the, uh, face every day, you know, as it happens. So I think uh, persistence is something that I, I learned. Because of COVID, isn't it? Because of Lots COVID, of yes. people are actually losing jobs and they have to be persistent and look for another one. Right. So, you know, um, not just that, you know, and I, as, you know, I um, moved on with life, you know, I did get a job in India and then immediately they sent me to Malaysia and then I was there for a year um, I then moved to the UK. I did my master's in the UK. I studied there for a year. I worked there for about six months. You know, I did an internship with a very, very big company there as well. Uh, And then I decided to move back to India, you know, because I'm very close to my parents. I always, you know, I'm drawn back home, you know, because I want to live with them. I want to take care of them, have fun with them. This is is like a huge part of my life. So I moved back. Um, so with all of these changes, you know, visiting different countries, living in, you know, different conditions and cultures, uh, there was never any stability in my life with respect to jobs or relationships or whatever, you know, like everything had to always end prematurely kind of. So what I learned is, you know, that businesses fail, jobs are lost, uh, you know, money becomes tight sometimes, relationships are broken, so it is during these times, it is very important to be very uh, determinative, you know, about the faith you have in yourself and in your intuition. And that's enormously important because oftentimes you see um, that when you're so consumed with, you know, this negativity and a plethora of problems that surround you and your life, it's um, almost uh, difficult to, you know, ignore all the voices in your head. So you need to focus on that one single voice, which is your intuition, you know, which in most, you know, likelihood will keep telling you, you can overcome this. And it kind of amps you up like an elixir, you know, that is meant to give you the life energy, you know, that's required to rebuild your purpose, rebuild your goal and, you know, work towards your vision. So I think it's very important to focus on that intuition and have faith in yourself and what your inner voice is telling you to try and pick out that voice, yeah. I think the more we listen to ourselves and do what we want for our life, I think that builds resilience. I know both myself and Dr. Asteri, we've each had our struggles, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, me with my health conditions, you know, having a stroke and open heart surgery. 
um, and Dr. Stare with her health issues. But, you know, it's like you have to kind of like you pick yourself back up. And when you pick yourself back up, you just have to figure out what, what it is that you want. Surround yourself with people that support you and you move on. Um, some days will be harder than others. But at the end of the day, you keep doing what you want to do. And that's what's going to matter most in life. Yes, well, we exactly. have to uh, pick ourselves, you know, up and uh, just move on and carry on. That's what pretty much everyone has to do. Yeah, that's life. <laughs> different challenges. That's life. Yeah. It's yeah. about. Uh, it's just about you know knowing that you are able to be resilient because I think the problem for many people is, especially these days that um, many of us didn't really have that kind of big challenges before well we had mm -hmm. but many other people didn't and yeah. then when something like covid comes and then you are yeah. suddenly stranded at home you lose your job or you lose the majority of your income or well you may even lose a you know a loved person uh, because they contracted covid and they died that's mm -hmm. something that people are not prepared for and that's, I think, the biggest problem with resilience, because many of us do not know how resilient they could actually be. Yes. And that's, some, that, that's why we need to work on our resilience. That's why this is so important to work on resilience every day, not only when something happens, but hmm. it actually makes more sense to uh, work on resilience continuously. And then when something huge happens, when a huge life change comes, then it's much easier to adapt and much easier to carry on. Absolutely, yes. And, uh, you know, as you said, you know, particularly now when there is, you know, when there exists this very dystopian vision of the society or mm. the world that we're living in, you know, with this pandemic that's exactly. going on, I think it's so important to learn about resilience and uh, a lot of people may not be even giving much thought to it, but I think they should. And uh, that's why, you know, when you said, you know, the podcast about resilience, I was like, yes, I'm you know, <laughs> definitely going to be you know, talking about that because um, I, I have, you know, uh, Ashish might be knowing uh, this uh, a little more because I've had conversations with him about it. I've had an exceptionally bad year. You know, 2020 has been very cruel to me, sort of, but um, oh, I think no worries, my 2000, 2019 was bad as well, so I had my COVID <laughs> that's before. What I, that's what I thought, you know, but 2020 yeah. was like, you know, like It was everything. supposed to be my yeah. year, yeah, and then, you know, <laughs> and that was actually for many people that I know as well, you know, we were so uh, full of hope when 2000. Yes. 20 started and that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh, goodbye yeah. 2019, never again, you know. And then yeah, yeah. 2020 was like, <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, so uh, what advice would you give to uh, to our audience, to all those that are listening to us now? Um, how to become more resilient in life? When you face different challenges, well, I mean, I, you face uh, different challenges like change the change of the culture, health challenges, and also um, like work-related challenges. So, well, you yeah. are an expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know, as I uh, I mentioned earlier, two things that I already talked about are uh, being you know persistent, you know, and not letting go, and then of course you know trying to. Um, listen to your intuition more 
that those two but there are two more things that i want to say one is you know you should have uh some kind of faith uh attached to either whatever you call you know you can call it god or the universe or force of nature you can call it anything you know but i think it's important to identify that there are things beyond a stretch of imagination you know that do exist and in some way connects the dots of everything that happens to us and around us and uh, i think that that belief is very important um uh, in terms of resilience um, it, you know without that you would definitely start to feel lost so that is one thing and then another thing is i feel you know you should have a great sense of humor and when i say that oh, it should yeah, be yeah definitely have yeah and when i say that it should be sort of this uh, self effacing um not in a you know timorous or faint hearted way but you know kind of a self deprecating humor you know you should be able to laugh at yourself uh, and you should be able to handle things without ego because it will certainly lead to adding resilience because when you uh, usually have this huge ego or you know pride it makes it so much more harder to bounce back to normal from you know when you fall but when you That's are true. able to laugh at you know your problems then i think it's easier to climb back uh, that so those are my two cents on you know <laughs> handling yeah it's a, it's it's a bit about like flexibility with your pride yeah it's um, you know yes. you have to be flexible sometimes when you fall you just when you fall you just need to you know go a step take a step back and uh, that's something that well many of us may sometimes have a problem uh, mm-hmm. to do but Yeah I I fully agree with but mm-hmm. Yeah. But no I mean yeah this was a great um chances for you Deepak to share your story with myself and uh Dr. Estera and uh the rest of our listeners um we really admire you um we tip our hat to you and just say you know thank you for Yeah definitely and thank you for sharing this story with us. <laughs> Thank you thank you I should I should say thank you because as I told you you know I feel deeply honored to be part of something like this you know uh, both of you are doctors <laughs> doctor doctor <laughs> I was so, I was like so excited you know when the zoom invitation you know came you know oh two doctors are inviting me to talk <laughs> I mean I have my I'm not a doctor I have my doctorate I know I, I, I know but you're a doctorate doctor but still that's a doctor for me Well you know? we have PhD yeah yeah PhD. I'm not a medical doctor either I'm a psychologist <laughs> But no I mean it, like I said it was really great for you to share your story um you're a tremendous human being um I enjoy just seeing your content on LinkedIn and uh you know I think you, you have so. you have my support um and you know I tell it to everyone you know I'm I'll give everyone my support you know I might not do it like right away but I will do it like if I say I'm going to do it like I will make sure that I get it done um like I try to say true yeah. my word so that builds up my integrity so but you know whatever else That's that really cool. and whatever else that we can do um Deepak just reach out to either one of us and we'll be more than willing to uh, help you out Yeah definitely definitely I will yeah Yeah, as for, I uh, said, you know, I I I would like both of you to uh come on the three questions show and my questions will not be on a particular topic. It'll all be 
different different topics so <laughs> it's okay. it's going to be like uh, Thank you. yeah <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you for that invitation. I mean, we do both look forward to coming on um your podcast here in the near future, but um for all our listeners who will listen to this podcast again, thank you and thank you to Deepak for uh your time today and uh, thank you to uh my lovely co-host Dr. Estera for um hosting with me and uh we look forward to seeing everyone on our next episode. Thank you everyone. Bye, thank you, bye.